please take your Bible. We've been here in Revelation. <laughs> We've been here for a while, but we skipped around a lot. We've covered so much ground. I got away from Revelation, then I go back, get away, go back. So I'm like, Lord, how can I do a Christmas message and stay in Revelation so I can cover some ground and we can finish this book? So we look at verse 13 in the context of Christmas. Next week, we'll do another message, and it'll probably be very similar, d totally different message, but uh, I've already been working on that in the context of still going through the book of Revelation and looking at a lot of other verses about Christmas. I love Christmas, man. I love the fact that Christ, that God became a man. And uh, we don't have a hard time at all celebrating Christmas. Would Jesus celebrate Christmas? Well, guess what? He went to Hanukkah, which is not even mentioned in the Bible except that he went to it, and that was a feast of lights, right? And he went there, and he used that as an example because it's a long story, and I want to get into my message, so I can't give you all the background with the Maccabean uh, and everything that went down with the Maccabean revolt, but uh, they were celebrating a miracle they felt took place with light being oil lamp in the temple and light continuing to be lit. And he went to Hanukkah, which the Bible says never said to celebrate, and the Jews were celebrating it, but he used it to point to himself. He said, I am the light of the world, right? He that walks in, you know, darkness, if he has a light, he says, well, the light of life. And if he could use a holiday that's not based on biblical history and point to himself, how much more can we use a holiday where they celebrated Christ's birth radically in the Bible, amen? Shepherds, wise men, angels, amen? Well, we don't know exactly what day he was born. Can you imagine having an adopted kid? You don't know when he was born because he's been a refugee from somewhere, and you just pick a day out of the year to celebrate his birth like the other kids. And one of the other kids says, well, we don't know what day he was born. We shouldn't celebrate his birth. <laughs> really? Definitely don't want to say that about Jesus, amen? Pick any day, you know? But I don't have a hard time with the 25th, because this is a time when the world's actually listening to Chris Christian music often, you know? Uh, so I praise God for being able to take a day out. Yeah, but the Bible doesn't talk about Santa Claus and and and, you know, talking to your kids about Santa Claus and all that? Well, either do I. That's not what I'm talking about. It's talking about Jesus coming to the world. Amen? Amen. All right. So, uh, Revelation chapter 22. We looked at verse 12. We looked at rewards, you know, last time we talked about this and his coming prior to that. Uh, but we dare not look at verse 13 and miss its context. What a powerful verse this is. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first and the second letters of the Greek alphabet, like the A and Z. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, come on, who is speaking here? Back up one verse, it's very clear. And by the way, these two verses are some of the best verses to share with the cults. You know, uh, I shared Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, with a sister, uh, Jove Witness, she was brought in by a friend. We went into my office with her and the friend that brought her, and uh, she renounced being a Jove Witness and says, I realize that Jesus is God. The cults deny that Jesus is God, you know? I see my former Christadelphian brother back there. Praise the Lord for you, bro. We love you, man. And uh, man, he just searching the scripture, and he was knee-deep in the Christadelphian movement, right? Family, his whole family still is. But uh, he realized, man, they don't believe Jesus is God and some other things, and he came to the true Jesus, and I love to hear him talk about his love for Jesus and who Jesus is, you know? Christadelphians don't even recognize that Jesus existed before he came to earth. Is that right? Yeah, that's crazy. Before Abraham was, he says, 
I am, right? Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you in the beginning before the world was created, Jesus says. John 17, amen. It's all over the scripture, amen. I'm the bread that's come down from heaven, on and on and on. Okay, I gotta get back to my notes, but praise God, bro, for your salvation and, and knowing the true Jesus, man. And uh, we need to recognize what we have in Christmas is God becoming a man. We hear the, the, uh, the man God, right? Or the God man, you know? Jesus is the God man. Or, uh, but the name of this message is he's, the, you know, Jesus, the God baby, okay? Because when you recognize Christmas, we've got the most radical thing to celebrate on Christmas. doesn't matter what you may or may not get or if you exchange gifts or whatever you do. Guess what? You, nothing that you will possibly get can transcend what you already have if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The Bible says we are complete in him. Amen? The Bible says that we are born again. We're new creations, amen? Our identity is just so robust. Our, our names are written in heaven. Jesus said we're supposed to rejoice over the fact that our names are written in heaven. The, the reality that you've been saved by his precious grace and God became a man and gave himself for you should be enough to get you through any day, no matter how bad that day is, amen? Because you always know there's light at the end of the tunnel. You always know whatever you're going through, whatever trials you're facing, however harsh the reality of your job is or, or whatever circumstances that you're facing relationally, that guess what? The maker of your soul is also the redeemer of your soul the one who gave himself for you, amen? And he wants you to look to him. He wants to lift up your head and recognize that no matter what you're going through, he, is, he loves you, he's for you, amen? God's for us. Who could be against us? We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us, amen? So there's so many reasons to rejoice this time of year because we're able to focus on the reality amidst all the darkness, all the craziness that we have such a wonderful, amazing Savior. Now, it's interesting because when we see here, and this is very important because we know who the first and the last is. Amen? We know who the Alpha and the Omega is. How? Because in the Old Testament, when God declares that he's the only, other God, the only God, when he says, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. By the way, the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, take their, uh, you know, they're, they're, the verse they use, to, and when you talk to them, why do you call Jehovah's Witnesses? And they'll quote Isaiah 43.10. If they don't know it by heart, they'll say, look at Isaiah 43.10. It says, you know, I'm the Lord, you are my witnesses. And we're witnesses that, there's, that Jehovah is God, and there's no other God. We're witnesses of Yahweh, or they'll say Jehovah. There's no J in the Hebrew, right, by the way, so it couldn't have been Jehovah. Uh, that's why we say often Yahweh. We don't know what the exact you know, letters were, we know what the consonants were, but the Jews took out the, the vowels, so we have Y-H-W-H, right? The Germans, you know, used the J for Y, you know? So, uh, but, so it's, it could be Yahweh or Yehwah, we don't know exactly, but we, I don't need to know exactly how to say his name from the Old Testament, because Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father, amen? So I get to pray to my Father, amen? And I know God's name, uh, you shall call his name Yeshua, which is, means God is salvation. When he's born, Mary, before he's born, Mary told your name him Yeshua because he'll save his people from his sins. And the name means God saves. So I want to talk about Christmas in the context of this verse and the fact and the reality that you have the greatest gift possible when you realize that Jesus is God. If Jesus was just some angel, we would not be singing praise songs and praise God for the worship team up here today and you're blessing us and sacrificing your time because that's work as well. And you know what? We wouldn't be singing about an angel over and over again, amen? amen? But Jesus is more than an angel. 
The Jehovah's Witnesses think he's just, you know, he's the archangel Michael, a created being. And they say, and Isaiah 43.10 says this, and this is the verse they love to use. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Before me there is no God formed, neither shall there be what? After me. There's only one God. Amen? And we agree with that. Amen? In fact, I just, but we believe that, that God is triune. Amen? He's a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you missed last Wednesday's message, you probably, probably want to hear that. In fact, I had one brother, Brother Shane, come to me and say, praise God, I, don't, I can't believe you just preached on what you just preached on. He's showing me some of his notes in his Bible that he was just writing down. He says, I was just praying. How does the Trinity work? How does the Holy Spirit work in the Trinity? And he goes, that was my prayer, you know, just days ago. Uh, is, did I get that right, Shane? Praise God. It was so awesome. And I'm like, well, you're the one that changed my message, or God did, because he's praying that God would give him better understanding. And I was in Timothy, and I just, it just, it's a long story, but I'm like, Lord, it, it burned on my heart to preach on that message. And the Lord loves you, bro. He loves each and every one of us, you know? But we talked about how the Holy Spirit is God. And it's very, very clear. Did we have a clear teaching Wednesday? It's very clear. And then you look at the fact that Jesus is God, and I've done several messages on that, but I want to talk about him being God in the context of, of Christmas and some of the Christmas passages that are so popular, but sometimes we don't realize how rich they are and what a blessing they should be to our lives. So it's amazing, but we know he's God because in Isaiah 44, 6, but this is the crazy thing. In Isaiah 43, 10, where he says, you are my witness, saith the Lord, saith Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. You know one of the declarations he makes to prove that he's the only one God? Well, in Isaiah, he says, I'm the only one that could tell you the end from the beginning. All these psychics, they get 99% of their stuff wrong, right? Well, I know one that gets 10% right. That's the, that's the scariest one because they're still 90% wrong, but they're getting some kind of wisdom and it's not from God. It's satanic, okay? But I'll tell you what, guys. That same God says in the very next chapter in Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. Beside me there is no what? God. So in saying he's the first and the last, he's saying I'm the only God. In saying he's the only God, he's saying I'm the first and the last. So when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, I am the first and the last, I am the beginning and the end, it should be unmistakable as to what Jesus is saying, amen? And we know from verse 12, Behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me. It's speaking of Jesus. We know it's speaking of Jesus as well in Revelation chapter 1. Because in verses 17 and 18, that's when the apostle John sees Jesus shining in his glory, his eyes as a flame of fire, his face shining like the sun in noonday, standing amidst the seven golden candlesticks. Just amazing. And, and he falls on his face before Jesus. And Jesus sticks his right hand upon him and says, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Father God never died, amen? amen. Holy Spirit didn't die. Amen. I am he that liveth and was dead. Who? The first and last. Behold, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And before, behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and of Hades. Amen? amen. And just before that, in Revelation 1.7, just 10 verses, and this is pretty easy to remember, Revelation 10, 1, verses 7 and 8, and I just quoted 17 and 18. But you know what 7 and 8 say? Behold, he comes with the clouds. Who comes with the clouds? Jesus. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kings of the earth shall wail because of him. 
Even so, amen. Amen. And then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and saith the Lord Almighty, or God Almighty. Almighty God. That's one, seven, and eight. I mean, it's unmistakable. And what's crazy is two different times, just to put an exclamation point on the book of Revelation before we travel to some of the Christmas passages and some other passages. Two different times, you're familiar, an angel, John falls before an angel, once an angel, once an elder, right? To worship, right? Two times he's rebuked. One time he said, do not worship me. Worship God, for I'm a fellow servant. You know, in other words, you don't bow down and worship me. I'm an angel. Can you imagine the angel's like, stop, man. God, I didn't ask him to do this. You know, be like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's John, you know. I mean, that angel, that angel's probably pretty calm, like, okay, stop. But I would not want anybody bowing down before me, amen. You know, we're worms, right, without Jesus. But you know what? Happens in Revelation chapter 5. The 24 elders, right? The angels, the seraphim, or cherubim, all the angels of God. And everything on earth and under the earth has happened in the future, bows down and worships the Father and the Lamb, the Son, Jesus. And they're not stopped. All of creation will worship the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we have this gift, and this gift reveals himself and also reveals that he's coming to gift himself to the world. So he's not just a concept, not something just abstract in somebody's mind. So you could touch him and see him and know him. And when God revealed himself to Moses, when Moses was to deliver his people, what happened in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14? As the burning bush, the bush was burning which is a trip because it says nobody can abide God's presence because he's a consuming fire, right? But God's in this bush and he's burning or this bush is in him and it's not being consumed because one day the pure in heart will be in his very presence and not be consumed. But you know what he says to Moses? Moses is like, huh, who, who do I say send me? To, you know, God's speaking to him to go be the deliverer from Egypt. Who do I say sent me? God said to Moses in verse 14, listen, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Say to them, I am has sent me to you. I am. And the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Old Testament that Jesus used, the apostles used often. We also call it in theology the LXX or Septuagint. Guess what? The Greek, the, it's a Greek translation of the Old Testament Hebrew that a bunch of Jewish scholars translated into Greek because so much of the world was speaking Greek after uh, the Grecian Empire had taken over Israel. And the LXX says, tell him, you know, when he says, I am that I am, the word is, for I am is ego eimi. Okay? Ego, like for we go, ego in the transliteration of the English, the word we get ego from. I, ego, ego. Ego Amy, okay? Ego Amy. What's crazy about this is the Jews, Jesus was declaring who he was. And the Jews in John chapter 8 pick up stones to stone him. 
You know, they want to kill him. And we see that in John 10. They try to kill him because he said he's one with the Father in John 10. And in John 8, we read in verse 58 that Jesus says to them, before Abraham was, I am. Elohim. Now, doesn't sound like great grammar, does it? That's because it's perfect theology. Right? Before Abraham was, I am. Because I am means to be self-existent, right? And it says a lot, there's a lot more to that that we don't have time to get into. But by the way, it's so serious that you believe Jesus is God. Because in John 8, 24, the same chapter, Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Amen? Amen. If you don't believe that he is God. That's why the Bible warns about not receiving a different Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Because if I believe in some Jesus, right, who died on a fence in Mexico, right, Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Well, you do? Oh, praise God. You, you know Jesus? Yeah. He died, for, he died about 35 years ago on a fence, you know. I go, that's not the biblical Jesus. Amen? Amen. You have to have the biblical Jesus to be saved. Amen? Amen? And what's wrong with this world is they don't understand who he is. There's a lot of people talking about Jesus. A lot of people just think he was a good teacher, a prophet of some sort, like the Mormons teach. That's why we need to win these people to Christ. That means it's incumbent upon us as Christians to get our eyes off of just what we're going through and start witnessing and sharing people to Jesus because we are his witnesses, amen? We're the true witnesses. We are your witnesses, witnesses. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, my servant, whom I have chosen. We need to be a light. He's a light to the Gentiles. Now, in a very popular, some of you have probably seen this verse this, this Christmas season. Sometimes it's on cards, it's everywhere. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. You guys remember this verse? The Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name, what? We'll call him Emmanuel. That's heavy. Now what's Emmanuel mean? God with us. Praise God. Got that right, man. So he's going to give them a sign, and a virgin will have a child, and his name will be called. I mean, it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. In the Hebrew, it means God with us. Emmanuel, what a beautiful name. Now, how is that a sign? Well, virgins don't have babies, right? And by the way, not, I don't have time because I'm going to cover so much ground, but to get into it in much depth. But King Ahaz was a wicked king at that time. And he departed from, the, uh, his father was a good king for a few years. There weren't a lot of good kings at that time. And uh, he was relying on a wicked alliance instead of the Lord. And the Lord was telling him, ask for a sign, I'll give you a sign. He's like, oh no, Lord, I don't need a sign. But it wasn't because he was being humble. It was because he didn't want to rely on the Lord. He wanted to rely on his wicked alliance. But God said, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Amen? And he gave him a sign. Uh, and by the way, the word in Hebrew for virgin there is Alma. A-L-M-A is how we transliterate that. And that word can be translated. It's usually translated virgin in our, in our different uh, Bibles. Sometimes it can be translated even young women. Young woman, it can mean that. But often it means virgin. 
Well, how come we know? Well, this is a crazy thing. Well, again, a young woman wouldn't be a sign. Young women have babies all the time, right? But we'll get a little bit more on that in a second. But this is the crazy thing about that is, is uh, there are what we call near, in theology, we call them near and far fulfillments in prophecy. Like, for instance, the Bible calls, talks about the day of the Lord, right? And sometimes when the Bible is referring to the day of the Lord, he's pronouncing upon them a disaster or the Lord's judgment that will come upon you know, the people of Israel or the kingdom of Judah or what have you, uh, only to be followed up. But all pictures or types of a greater day of the Lord, which is the ultimate day of the Lord when he returns. Amen? Amen. So you have these near and far prophecies. You have these typologies as well. And this is one of those near and far prophecies, you know? Sesame Street, before it went all woke and stuff, you know, they used to have, who's that big blue dude? Is he the murky monster? But he would go up to the TV and, uh, and he'd go real close to the camera. He said, this is near. Then he ran away. This is far. This is near. Well, that's kind of like prophecy. There's near fulfillments and there's far fulfillments, okay? And uh, scholars debate as to what uh, the near fulfillment of that was for Ahaz, but we don't debate what the far fulfillment is. It's very crystal clear. God gives us signs. And... Uh, but guess what? You know God gives us signs all the time, every day. The Bible says the heavens, you know, God declares his glory through the heavens, amen? amen. Every day he's declaring his glory, he's showing signs that he exists. Rainbow. The rainbow is a beautiful sign, amen. I just saw a beautiful rainbow, my wife and I, yesterday when we were driving, and, uh, and a brother sent me an incredible picture of a rainbow that his friend took, and it was just over, I think he's in Santa Clarita or something, just gorgeous over the whole area. Uh, but you know what? He uses, you know, the Bible says he's made known through the things that he's made. Amen? Every day you see that. A newborn baby, precious babies, newborn or not, are all beautiful signs. Amen? Sometimes there are also signs that we live in a fallen world. <laughs> Sometimes there's also signs that we need to get to work and do some paperwork, change them, you know? Uh, but you know what? Uh, there was a movie years ago, I don't recommend it because it wasn't really a great picture of who God is, called Bruce Almighty, you know? But they got a couple things right. Uh, Bruce is, or who's that guy? Carrie, Jim Carrey's fl flying down the road, right? And he's like praying to God, God, give me a sign. Speak to me through a sign. And then he's just speeding down the road and also a sign comes up that says, <laughs> sign says caution ahead, you know? And he doesn't notice it's in neon lights. It's right there. He just keeps hurtling forward. He starts complaining to God that you never give me signs ever. You don't ever talk to me. You never speak to me. And all of a sudden a truck comes in front of him. And it's a sign truck. It has all kinds of signs. And he says, stop. Wrong way. And then he's like, God, why don't you speak to me? And he just <laughs> bolts. And then all of a sudden he just, you know, he runs into a lamp. Totals his vehicle. Gets out. And then he's overtaken by this, uh, this truck full of signs. And he starts complaining again. And it's he's after, between that, he says a prayer, Lord, please just show me a sign. And then the truck comes. And then he starts getting angry at God because God never shows him signs, even after that. And the point is pretty obvious, you know. It's just something we talk about as Christians and we play with sometimes, that he's always speaking to us. Amen. We just don't want to hear or read the signs. In fact, Jesus is the light of the world. But people reject him. Jesus said to his own 
The, the Pharisees and Sadducees, religious leaders, was day. You could tell when winter comes because you'll say, hey, the sky is this, it's red. And, or, or I'm sorry, you could tell when the storm's going to come. But then you can't discern the signs of the times. It's because they didn't want him. He says he searched the scriptures diligently. And that's in John chapter 5, verses 40 and 40 through 41. You search the scriptures diligently because in them you believe that you have eternal life. But you're unwilling to come to me that you might have life. It's right staring them in the face. And sometimes God speaks to us. And he's telling us, you need to do this in your life. You need to be obedient about this situation you're in. But guess what? If we're not faithful in little, we won't be faithful in much. So sometimes God's telling you to do this or that or the other. And you know it, but you don't want to do it. And you wonder why he's not answering this prayer over here. Or he's not giving you more light over there. Lord, I'm asking if you want me to go to this country or this country but you haven't talked to the person next door or you haven't talked to uh, the other person that he's saying, hey, you know what? This brother is in sin and you need to warn him and you don't do it and you don't confront him. And then you're like, why are you speaking to me, God? It's because you need to, you need to do the last thing he told you. Amen. So, so many times we find ourselves in areas of life where God speaks to us, but we don't hear. We don't listen. And that's what Ahaz was doing. He didn't want to hear from God. And that's what's happening today in the world that we live in. And there's many times God tells you, caution ahead. Don't proceed. Whether it's sexual sin, whether it's you know, magic or witchcraft or reading your horoscope or whatever, getting to things like that, or, or whether it's just anger and you're refusing to forgive someone and love them and care about them, and recognizing what Jesus did for you, and forgiving, uh, uh, or putting away malice, or anger, or hatred. And we have to make sure we deal with those things in our lives, amen? amen. Because the more light we, re we receive, the more light we'll, re we'll get. Because Jesus says, he that is faithful in little will be faithful in much, amen? And there's that principle of God giving you more light. So it's important that we respond to the light that God's given us. So we can walk in his greater light. Amen. And right now, and I know this is true principle. You know why? Because if, in John chapter 3, it speaks of the, 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 those who rejected Jesus. It says they loved darkness more than light. And they hated the light. They refused to come to the light lest their deeds would be exposed. But those who come to light do so that they might show that their deeds are done in God. So those of you who are doing things to the Lord and really want to follow him, you're going to want more of Jesus. Amen. But if you're really just using the name of Jesus, but you're really about doing your own will and being your own little God, don't make him your co-pilot, man. Jesus will not be a co-pilot. He's the pilot, amen? He's, he, we're, on, we're along for the ride. He's not along for the ride for us. So many professing Christians just want Jesus along for the ride. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. I relationship with Jesus. And they just do their own thing. They meander, they, and they have no walk with Christ until they're in trouble. They say, Jesus, save me! And they wonder why sometimes he doesn't save them out of something. Because they're not truly putting him first. We have to put him first in our lives. Amen? So King Ahaz was not doing that. And, but you know what? When he says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the word you is plural though. It's not just for Ahaz. So the kingdom of Judah. It wasn't just for the kingdom of Judah. It is for all of us ultimately. And how do we know that? Because, well, we know what the far prophetic fulfillment of that was. And we read about it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 through 23 of Mary and Jesus the prophecy, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means God saves, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen to that, amen? 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. By the way, he's writing in Greek now. And when the word virgin is used, it's not Alma, which is in the Hebrew. This is something very important to keep in mind when you're talking to maybe a liberal who says, well, that word Alma in the Old Testament, it, it could sometimes be translated young woman. It doesn't always have to be virgin. You could say, yeah, but you know what? The LXX or the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was written before Jesus came, this is how they understood it. The scribes, they translate it with the Greek word parthenos, P-A-R-T-H-E-N-O-S, Parthenos is always virgin, okay? That's how the scribes understood it. That's how the New Testament understands it. That's how the Holy Spirit meant it, amen? Uh, because that's the word used in the New Testament, which is really, really clear. He is the Savior. God saves. And by the way, you guys, he is God because only God saves. You know how we know that? Listen to this. Well, another Christmas verse, Luke 2.11 for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen? I love that. Amen. For, you know, he shall save, call him Jesus, name him Jesus, because he'll save his people from his sins. Amen? And then also they're told, because, you know what? Unto you is born is this day in the city of David, because he'd be a descendant of David the Messiah would, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the word Lord so often have used of Jesus in the Old Testament or New Testament is kurios in the Greek. K-U-R-I-O-S is a transliteration. That beautiful word is used over and over again of Jesus. But you know what it is a uh, parallel to in the, throughout the Old Testament? We see Lord over and over and over again used of God, of, of God and Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. It's the tetragrammaton. Y-H-W-H is translated Lord in our translations. So a lot of, when you see Lord, L-O-O-R-D, L-O-R-D, all capped, it's all capitalized, in the Old Testament, if you have a small L or just L, capital L, then O-R-D, a lot of times it's just, it's, it's still beautiful. It's Adonai. And usually it's referring to God as well. But when you see capital L in your Old Testament, it doesn't matter almost every translation out there, capital L-O-R-D, you're talking about Yahweh, the name of God. And those references in the New Testament, Jesus is called Kurios, over and over again referring to the Yahweh. But he's also called over and over again in the New Testament, Savior, amen? But check this out. How many saviors are there? I want to talk about some national savior, somebody that God rises up, a, a king or something. We're talking about saving people from their sins, saving them spiritually. There's only one savior. How do we know that? Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11. God says, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no savior, Amen. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 26. Then all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. By the way, notice what he just called him. The Lord says, Yahweh says, everyone will know that I am the Lord, your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. The Mighty One of Jacob, interesting. And listen to Hosea chapter 13, verse four. But I am the Lord, he's Yahweh, your God from the land of Egypt, you know no God but me, and beside me there is no Savior. Over and over again. He says, I'm the only Savior. Amen. Yet in the New Testament, 
Acts 4.12 says that he's the only name, the name of Jesus given out of heaven, whereby men must be saved. And there's salvation in no one else. Amen. In fact, listen to this, Titus 2.13, which calls Jesus God and Savior. Titus 2.13, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hmm. We have references to Titus on our walls here because he's the blessed hope. Amen? Amen? Or references from Titus. So he's called the great, uh, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yet there's only one Savior, and he is God. And in 2 Peter 1.1, we read, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, you guys. Anybody anybody else love these verses? They're just beautiful verses. They should make your heart sing. Man, he's our own. There's only one Savior, and Jesus is him. And he's our great God, and he's our Savior. Amen? Amen? Merry Christmas. You got the best Christmas you can get, and we're just kind of unwrapping the gift together before Christmas. That this is the one that lives in our hearts. There was no place found for him in the hotels. They found a place in the manger. Is there a place for him in your heart? And it's kind of interesting because in Isaiah, he goes on to say that after he says he's the first and last, He says this, listen to this, verse 22 and following of chapter 45. Turn to me and be saved, be saved to him, he's the only one that saves, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn truth has gone out from my mouth, a word that will not be revoked. Every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess allegiance. Surely they will say to me in the Lord, that's in Yahweh alone, our righteousness and strength. He's the only one that saves, and every knee's gonna bow. Every tongue's gonna confess allegiance. Amen? Amen. Well, you know who, you, who that's used of in the New Testament? Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then I love this, because hey, you know what your relationship's supposed to be like with other people? You wanna get along with other people the best you can? You want to be at peace with all men as much as is possible? God makes it clear what you got to do. Now, there are some people going to reject you because there's no rest for the wicked, amen? And you'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake. But I'm talking about, the Bible says, do everything you can within your power to be at peace with all men. Without compromising, that means, of course. Well, in verse 5 of chapter 2 of Philippians, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus You need to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what was that mindset he's talking about? Listen to this. It talks about as God. Even though he was God, he didn't continue to hold on to the privileges he had as God in heaven, but he became the God-man. And he humbled himself to save us. In other words, guess what? We're not even God. We're not even close. Amen? Made his image. How much more should we step down from whatever position we're in to help other people? And as it says in Hebrews 12 in the King James, condescend to the man of the lower place, of the lower estate, actually, in the King James. We need to humble ourselves. Listen to this. He relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. Amen. So when God says, you are my witness to say, the Lord, my servant who I have chosen before me, there was no God for him, neither shall there be after me. Who's talking? Jesus, because he's in the very nature of God. And no God is for him before him or after him. 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking a very nature of a servant, be made in human likeness, and be found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, the worst kind of death you could suffer. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. That's God the Father, exalting God the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and, at the t- and, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo! God says, hey, he's the only Savior. He says, I'm the one that saves, and every knee's gonna bow, and everything's gonna confess allegiance to me. And here we read that Jesus is in the very nature God, amen, but became a man. So, so often the cults will say, oh, look, he's praying to the Father, he's, 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 He's crying here. He's bleeding. He's a man. (laughs) Yeah, he's God and man. God became a man. He humbled himself, but then he said, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you in the beginning. Amen. So God became exalted again as he's still the God man. He still has a human body too. Because in Revelation 5, when they see him before they bow down and worship him along with the Father, they see him as a lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that had been slain. And he's still wounded, it says. They saw him as a lamb. John says, I saw a lamb as it had been slain. In his resurrected state, he still bears those wounds. That blows me away. But you know what, you guys? How many times do we turn to the things of this world when we're in a pickle or we're going through something and we think that the world has the answers? Jesus is the Savior, amen? Amen. He is the one that we put our trust in. He is the one we look to. Now, I'm not saying you can't go to a doctor. Praise God for doctors and nurses, amen. Praise the Lord for them. They do so much good, amen. But man, if you start feeling the pain, the first thing you should do is say, God, cry out to God, amen. Because King Asa was judged because he got a horrible foot disease and he refused to pray to God. It says he went to the doctors, but he didn't go to God. Now, God provides doctors, amen. He provides the leaves for the healing of the nations. He provides all kinds of wonderful things. But so often, because we live in this microwave society where we get this instant gratitude, we start to think humanistically that the answers are always found in humanity when they're not. When you look at the suicide rate among psychologists, it's abhorrent. It's heartbreaking. And how so many psychologists have their own therapists they go to, but you want them to help you? You know? And they charge exorbitant amount. Of, I saw one study where witch doctors had the same, the same rate as uh, psycho- psychotherapist for success, but they charge cheaper. True story, okay? You don't want to go to a witch doctor either, by the way. You want to go to Jesus, amen? amen? And you want biblical counseling, amen? That's based on God's word because the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit. They're, they're not hearing from the Holy Spirit. You want Holy Spirit-filled counsel based on God's word, amen? amen? And we need to make sure we go to Jesus. And by the way, Don't right away just say, oh, I'm going to call someone for counseling in this thing. Seek the Lord first for that too, amen? Amen. Say, Lord, if you, the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, Proverbs chapter three, right? But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight, amen? So acknowledge the Lord, seek him, cry out to him. And sometimes you're going to need more help because the Bible says there's wisdom in a what? A multitude of counselors. And praise God, we're happy. We love to help people here. That's what we're all about. I've never ever in my ministry of at Blessed Hope or before that, 
Ever said no to anybody whenever they've asked for help? Now, if someone says, hey, do you have a million bucks? I'm say, I can't help you there, but I can pray for you, you know? But I'm talking about when people, I've never, nobody here could say, well, I want to get with Joe, and Joe just wouldn't get together with me. No, that's not me. Unless you're in unrepentant sin, you refuse to repent, and I've already warned you. Right. You know, and even then, if you want to get together, you want to talk about your sin or about getting right, I'll get together with you. So as elders here, we have open doors all the time. Now, I might have to say I can't put you for two or three weeks because I'm juggling things, but I'll put you in my prayers and I'll get together with you still or somebody will, amen? But we're the body of Christ, amen? amen. And God used his body and it's still Jesus through us, amen? And he gets the glory because we can't do anything apart from him, amen? So you have such an awesome God, such an awesome savior and it's amazing because he's so many things to us. He's also the king of kings. We read that in Isaiah 53, 12 that he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death. He's, gonna, he's the ultimate king in Isaiah. In fact, he's called the God of God and the Lord of the Lords in the Old Testament. And God, God we read in, in Timothy chapter 6, is king of kings and Lord of lords. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. I charge you in the presence of God who gives all things and of Christ Jesus, who, is his te- uh, who in his testimony before Pilate made a good confession and he goes on to say just a little bit later, he was the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords. Well, who's the king of lord, king and king of lord of lords? The father? Yes, the father. But also Jesus. Because we read in Revelation 17, 14 of Jesus, when, when the Antichrist and the kings give their power to him, and they fight against Christ and, and so forth, the ten nations give their power to the Antichrist. They fight against Christ that is coming. We read this. They will make war on the lamb. I love that, man. The lamb. They're making war on the lamb, man. Just atrocious, wicked. And the lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Wow. He's a lamb, but man, I thought it was King of Kings, Lord of Lords. It is. It, right there, it's Lord of Lord and King of Kings. But in Revelation 19, when he comes on his white horse, it says he has a name written, right? And it says he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But that's the God of the Old Testament. So he was born the King of the Jews, amen? When he was born in Bethlehem. Now, go to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 in the Old Testament. Because we talked about Isaiah 7. Of a virgin, a sign will be given to you, right? And a virgin, an Alma, would give birth to a son. And his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. But that prophecy is picked up prophetically of Messiah. And keep in mind, Israel's in a lot of trouble right now. They're, they've been ignoring God's woes and judgments upon them in Isaiah chapter 5 and previous to this. God's pronouncing heavy judgment. But he's letting them know there's a deliverer if you want deliverance. And in verse 9 we read, I love verse 6. Chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. I love that. A child will be born to us. That's Jesus. A son will be given. That's Jesus too. But there's two ways he states this. There's a, there's a child being born, that's Jesus in the manger, but the son being given is God the son as the baby in the manger. Amen. And the government, I love this, and the government will rest on his shoulders. I love that, man. The government will rest on his shoulders. When I look at what just happened in the midterms, I'm like, thy kingdom come, Lord, thy will be done. Praise God. The government's gonna eventually rest on your shoulders. Amen? Because right now it's pretty horrifying what people are voting in. Amen. Give me Jesus. When I rise, give me Jesus. The day I die, give me Jesus. Amen. Amen. More of Jesus in our lives. 
And his name will be called what? Wonderful Counselor. Now check this out. <laughs> his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. But you know in the Hebrew, there's no punctuation right here as far as to designate whether it's Wonderful Counselor or it's Wonderful, comma, Counselor. Because in the Hebrew and the Greek, there's no commas. So I know he's going to be, I know he's counselor. I know he's wonderful counselor. He's the best, amen? But since I already know that, we could talk about how good of a counselor he is. I like put a little comma there because we're not sure because I know he's wonderful, amen? Our Jesus is wonderful, amen? What does it mean to be wonderful? It means to be full of wonder. Now you think, man, when you see the starry night and that you're seeing just an infinitesimal Fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the entire universe, and God just spoke it all into existence. By the way, trillions, you can't even get your brain around how many atoms are just make you. But you and I, we can't create one atom. It's mind boggling. And God made everything and all the stars, and it's just, just vast. And that's his power. And he's wonderful, but that he loves us, that he cares for us. Amen. And I mentioned this recently, but I was witnessing my father-in-law, uh, Lisa's dad, some time ago, and pray for him because uh, his body is riddled with cancer right now. We just found out. The last couple of days we found this out and uh, all over. He's 82. We want to make sure he knows Jesus. And, uh, but I was sharing with him about the Lord years and years and years ago. And we love him. He's such a neat guy. But keep him in your prayers. And pray also for Marquesa's sister because she is, uh, has she regained consciousness yet? No, no she hasn't. Thanks, Dan, Diana. Uh, please, please pray for her as well, okay? That was kind of a freak thing. But I was witnessing to him. And uh, he just, you know, he, he used, sometimes he'll just you, you'll witness to him in the past, you know. Now we talk and he's so more, much more open now. And uh, he said a prayer. Bob Kincaid witnessed him on the streets, which was really cool. But we're still not totally sure where he's at. Uh, Mark, you witness to him all the time, amen? And we love him, man. And, uh, but after, you know, he, we're not sure totally where he's at because we talk to him, you know, uh, you know, pray for him, you know, that God would use us to get him to truly surrender to Jesus, amen? But it's interesting. I was sharing with him about how big and awesome and wonderful our God is and usually when I share with them, you know, it changed the subject. Uh, or just get up, you know. <laughs> Prophet's never accepted in his own town, you know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I was, I was sharing with them uh, that God is, how, how wonderful and powerful and beautiful and big God is. And he's like, he goes, Joe, my concept of God is so much bigger than your God. Because he, would, he created us, he would create us, and he just... He's so big, he doesn't even think about us now. And I said, Mark, that's a puny God compared to the God of the Bible, compared to the true God, because he's so big. He could care about each of us individually and know every hair on our head and love each of us, right? And be involved in each of our lives. I can't remember all the words I said, but those kinds of things, you know? And that's a big God, amen? amen. I mean, if your mother, you, you know, you think she's, Dealing with that kid over there, and you're getting away with something, and she says your name, and you're like, how'd she know that? You realize, wow, mom's bigger than I realized. Well, God is huge, amen? amen. 
He knows every one of us and he cares about us. And Jesus said, when a little sparrow falls to the ground, the father cares about the, little, the littlest birds in orientology, you know, the study of birds, they're the smallest. And he cares about them. He says, how much more does he care about you? He goes to their funerals. Amen. Amen. He loves you. That's why the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything, but everything with prayer and thanksgiving, right? Supplication and prayer and thanksgiving. Make your request known to him. Peter says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares about you. He really, really does. More than you know, he loves you. He wants you to know that he cares about you. He wants you to know when you're hurting, you're going through things, and you're like, oh, how come I feel that this prayer hasn't been answered, or, or this is a hardship in my life, and, or how come I don't have more friends, or how come I'm going through this, or how come my job's so hard? He cares about you. And he came, became a man, the creator of the universe, became a man born in the manger. He knows what it's like to be rejected from the get-go. There's no place for him in the end, right? That's beautiful. That's a powerful God. Jesus said the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was homeless much of the time as he preached the gospel. He was rejected by his own family. His brother didn't believe until the resurrection, amen? amen. He knows what it's like to suffer. Well, if, if, you know, how could God allow this, all this suffering? He suffered more than anyone. He entered into it. Amen. And it wasn't his fault. The human race brought suffering upon itself, amen, amen. through rebellion to God. But as a pure, righteous, holy one of Israel, as he's called, he entered into the suffering and took the worst of it to save you from the ultimate suffering in hell, amen? What a wonderful Savior you have. What a wonderful God. So he indeed is wonderful. And I just think it's so cool when we think about this because uh, he's called wonderful. And, and listen to this. This is a trippy verse, you know. It's in Judges 13 when the angel of the Lord goes to Samson's father, Manoah, because his wife can't have a child. And he miraculously is going to open her womb. A picture of the virgin birth. Amen. And Samson, more people would die in his death to, to save Israel than in his life. More people were saved, right, through Jesus' death than his life. Amen? Amen. He's a picture of Jesus. We've done whole studies on the typologies of a lot of people here like typology, and we got in some pretty heavy typologies of how Samson is a, a foreshadowing or picture. Remember that study a while back, about a year or so ago, of Jesus? It's beautiful. But guess what? The angel of the Lord comes to him. Manoah, Samson's father, said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? But the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. <laughs> That's gnarly, man. That's why I like the comma between wonderful and counselor. Because his name is already wonderful. Amen. And that's just a word to meditate on all by itself. He's full of wonder. Your life should not be boring. You need to, you need to say, Lord, open my eyes. The, the psalmist said, Lord, show me wonderful things from your word. Amen? Amen? And you know what? His word becomes more wonderful when you fall in love with him. I read about, about a gal that married a man, and she had read a textbook, and she wasn't too into the book. She was kind of bored reading through the book. She was just kind of bored, and then later she meets before she becomes actually uh, married, her fiance, she falls in love with, and then she pulls a book off the shelf, or he pulls a book off the shelf, 
She has a book that he wrote, which the publisher demanded that he use an assumed name. And he said, you know, I wrote this. And then she didn't want to say it was boring. But after he left, she opened it up and she was riveted by the writing. Why? Because she was in love with the one who wrote it. And the more you fall in love with the Lord, the more you get excited about his truth, amen? I can share all these wonderful truths from you. I could get excited, I get teary-eyed up here, which I do because to me, he's wonderful. But you're gonna have to love the, the Lord, man. You're gonna have to love him and realize what he did for you to get excited about the word of God, amen? And you're gonna have to make sure you don't get filled up with junk. We just had Thanksgiving. I warned people, you know, I wouldn't do this to my wife, you know. Man, I'm so hungry. I know Thanksgiving. She's got a great Thanksgiving dinner, but I had to go do these errands. But she wanted me to pick up some pumpkin pie or something. Oh, but McDonald's, I'm just so hungry. I'll have two Big Macs, a strawberry shake, and apple pie, or whatever, you know. And then I get home, it's like, this is not a true story. This didn't happen. I'm saying, what if, you know? Then the, this wonderful meal, I was like, oh, it's okay. Take a few bites, push it aside. Because I'm filling myself up with junk. Amen? Quit filling your life with junk. Amen? I can't tell you, I mean, I'm not making an application here of a thus saith the Lord here because it's up to us what we eat, right? But I rarely eat sugar now, you know? And you know what, how good fruit is now? I mean, I see fruit once in a while, but, you know, I deceive whatever. I'm omnivore, right? Now I'm not so much an omnivore. And now, man, I'm like, I never realized how good mango is. Amen. And what, what was that one fruit? Joy, uh, Chamoya, man, the poor, the, 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 the poor gave me some of those and pff, those things are really, really good. You guys are right, man. They're, they're expensive at the store though, man. It's like, thanks for the free ones you gave me. I know they're out of season now, so I'm not begging. You know, those are really good. But man, but that's what happens when the things of the Lord, if we eat the sugar the enemy throws at us, spiritually speaking, amen, just like sugar can be really bad and is bad, just refined sugar, they refine it like nine or 11 times, it's taken out its context. You constantly put it in all of our food, right? It just can destroy your body. It does. You got to be careful. And it keeps us from the wonderful things. We can stay away from the wonders of God's word and the wonderfulness of our Savior by focusing on the counterfeits. Oh, I can't believe it. I was driving down the five freeway and I saw this actress. I can't believe it. Whew. I was trying to get close enough to touch the car, but I saw it. Highway Patrol behind me. I was like, whoa. And people just say, they get all freaked out when they see a Hollywood star who's been married 27 times and could care less about them. But then the one who is faithful to us and made the universe and gave himself to save you is preparing to play for you. Ah, I know about Jesus. What? There's something, there's a huge disparity there that's wrong. We need to get more excited about our wonderful Savior. Amen. I am looking at the clock, and I only have like eight more minutes, so I'm going to have to move through these other ones quicker than I wanted to. But we're, we're, are you being fed today and being encouraged? Yeah. Get excited about our wonderful Savior. Uh, I love it, man. In fact, Jeremiah 9.23 says, uh, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, right? Or the rich man boast in his riches, or the strong man boast in his strength. But let him that boasts boast in this, that he knows the Lord, Amen. That's who you want to boast in, amen, that you know Jesus. Did you ever, you saw them in concert? People talking about Jesus, yeah, 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 yeah praise God, yeah. You saw who in concert? Oh, wow, 30 years ago, you know, I don't know what it is. And we get excited about the things of the world and people that don't even care about us and people, you know, that probably ought not be getting worshiped or so much praise and we fail to praise our God and Savior. So, but he's not only wonderful, he is our counselor, amen? amen. 
He's the ultimate counselor. He has all wisdom. In fact, the scriptures are real clear about how wise he is. And, and Isaiah 11, two, another Christmas prophecy. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I love 1 Corinthians 1.30. Who became, that is Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And how about Colossians 2.3? The same book that says in chapter 2 that we are complete in him. And the fullness of the deity of that is a Godhead dwelt in him in bodily form. And it says in 2.3, in Jesus or in whom are hidden are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I don't need to go beyond Jesus. Unfortunately, this world is ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. He is also called mighty God. Amen? Now, I've already, we've already proven that Jesus is God. Amen? Over and over and over again. Oh, by the way, it never stops, by the way, because when Manoah, you know when Manoah sees the angel of the Lord, right? And the angel is speaking to him and tells him he's going to have a baby. Not him, but his wife, right? He freaks out because he says, we are doomed to his wife because we've seen God. I mean, we're gonna die. The angel of the Lord throughout the scripture is God. Amen? Amen. And he's called wonderful. That's why the angel of the Lord is called wonderful there because he's a pre-incarnation. We call it a theophany in theology or a Christophany. That's when God comes before he became a man. And as the angel of the Lord you know, why you ask my name? It's wonderful. Now, if anybody else here said, I'm wonderful, it would just be, it would be nauseating. You know, I mean, my wife would be the only one in my life that could get away with that. You know, I'd still like wonder why she said that, but you know. <laughs> it would just be nauseous. I'm wonderful. Only God can say that and with everybody else, it's an overstatement. And the people are wonderful in their own way, right? But it's an overstatement compared to angels and compared to God. And when God says it's almost an understatement, amen, fall in love with Jesus more, amen. And this time of year, marvel. And don't get caught up in all the distractions. Marvel about what God's given us. How he's given us Jesus, amen? amen. And that we don't deserve him. He is mighty God, everlasting Father, and that could be translated, because it's not speaking of the Father in the triune sense, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's the Son. But it could be translated as the Dr. Walter Martin said many years ago, Father of Eternity. Okay? And, or it's used often as some point out, the, it's a Father since he's a protector of the nation, the caretaker of the nation. Whew, praise God. And Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen? How many realize we need peace? And there's not a lot of peace this time of year. John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You're going to have troubles, trials, and tribulation. That's, we know that. So don't freak out when it happens, but say, wow. He said, in me I can have peace. Because guess what? You and I can have peace in Jesus. Because no one can snatch us out of his hands. Amen. And neither height nor depth nor principality or power or any other created thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If you are in Jesus, man, you are invincible. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Amen? Amen. So if you're trusting Jesus and he's your Lord and Savior, your faith is in him, neither height nor depth, principality or power, nor any created thing, none of these outside forces can separate you from the love of God, which is in him. So we rejoice in that. 
Amen? What a wonderful Savior we have. In John, 7, in John 14, 27, we read this. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. He wants you to experience his peace. But that, you know what? The more you seek Jesus in prayer, the more you, you go after him. And he's not asking for, he wants us to be perfect. He knows we're not going to be perfect until he comes, right? So he's not judging you on whether you're perfect or not. He's looking at you as whether you're trusting in what he did for you on the cross or not. And whether you're truly following him. And he wants to give you greater and greater peace because he's the prince of peace. So this time you realize, because the world's getting more and more chaotic and, more and, more, and less and less peaceful. Because the Bible says there's no rest for the wicked. There's no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. Twice it says that in Isaiah. I love verse 7, though, which we finish up with verse 7. There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace. He's got to keep expanding it. He's doing it through the kingdom and the preaching of the gospel right now. And one day Jesus will return and the king of kings will establish his kingdom on earth. On the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and ever, forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Wow. And a lot of times, Lord of hosts means Lord of armies. He's going to accomplish this. And right now, how many of you say, praise God, we need some justice in this world? Amen? Amen. Just this morning, I read this headline or this story. What on earth, so the day from the Daily Mail, what on earth does it take to get locked up for a sex attack in New York City? Man, 36, admits sexually assaulting a sleeping woman, 25, on, as a, on a passenger jet and calls it a lapse of judgment. But soft justice refuses to jail him. Daniel Katz, 36. They could have at least given a picture so we know to, how to avoid this guy in New York, you know, because they didn't, they didn't lock him up. Will give just one year of probation after being convicted in June 2021 on both counts of an indictment charging him with abusive sexual contact and assault. Lady falls asleep next to him. I can't even tell you the perverse things he did to her before she woke up. But he doesn't get any jail time. Slap on the hand. The victims are now the criminals, and the criminals are now victims. Oh, we had a lapse in judgment, and they didn't get any time. This happens over and over again, guys. But praise God, Jesus is coming, amen? And it says he's going to roll with a rod of iron, amen? And heads are going to roll, amen? But by the way, all our heads deserve to roll, because we've all fallen short of God's glory, amen? So let's make sure that we are saved. Let's make sure we've received him, who is the wonderful, who is wonderful, amen, who is counselor, who is prince of peace, who is father of eternity, amen, who is mighty God, who is all these wonderful things we talked about. Merry Christmas, man. You guys, before Christmas comes, this is Christmas every day for us. We continue to unwrap what the Bible calls the unspeakable gift. Paul calls Jesus the unspeakable or incomprehensible gift because he's such an amazing gift. And it blows me away that the apostle Paul, who was such an incredibly amazing writer, so descriptive, using the Greek language, one of the most descriptive languages ever, God ever created, by the Holy Spirit, who's God. There's no word appropriate to use, but unspeakable, incomprehensible. Not an exacting word. Why? Because he's wonderful. He's so wonderful, one word can't get around it. That's why we have four gospel accounts. That's why we have this, this whole Bible. Amen? Amen? Because we have a wonderful Savior. Amen. And he loves you and he cares about you. He wants to keep you in his peace. He wants you to seek him and know him and dwell in him and abide in him 
So as things get crazy, do not forget the reason for the season. His name is Jesus. Wonderful. Your counselor, your mighty God, Father of eternity. Amen? Let's stand as we pass out the cup and the bread, please. Praise God for our wonderful Savior.